I got to go out with Brother Chavez and some others and do, do uh, oh, and then Brother Sarah and Brandon and do a little bit of climbing out in the Tetons. And it, was, it wasn't technical, uh, as, as you can, you're looking at me wondering if I can scale sheer walk, wall, rock walls, uh, and the answer is no, I don't think so, I, I don't believe so. But it was just a, it was a mountain climb, but it was, oh, Brother Skeen was there. Uh, it was a, it was a, more of just a long, arduous hike. So we, uh, we, we hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked. Uh, I believe we elevation gain of over a mile, but, but you lost, you went up like five, 600 feet and then came back down and then went up a mile. And then we were at the top of Static Peak. And I, I, I found out, Ryan, why they wanted us there. Because uh, Static Peak is named that because of how much it gets hit by lightning. And so they thought to have two tall guys with them would keep them safe. And so that, I wondered why they brought us along. Ryan was helping me. I just, I was so tired toward the end. I had my backpack and, and he's like, let me take that for you. And I'm like, no, okay, here you go. Um, and so he, uh, we, we made it to the, oh, so, but again, you have all those switchbacks. And I remember there was one time in particular where, where at the top, you, you were supposed to turn and take a switchback, but it looked like the trail kept going. And so I, I'm just trudging along and, and making my way the, away from the peak around some completely other direction. And somebody goes, hey, Brother Mitchell, we, we think it's this way. And I turn, I'm like, oh, what? And I, I turn, oh, oh, yes, that's, that's probably the right path there. I was really glad that I got on the right path because the wrong path is going to cause you to, be, to end up in the wrong place. Um, that's awful just to completely end up in the wrong place. And then, uh, boy, you don't want to be on that wrong path for long because especially for me, expending precious energy. You know, Brother Skeen whipped out this energy gel. I'm trying to get that down to, to try to recharge the batteries a little bit and make it all the way up. So it's one of those things where I had kind of worked out for it but hadn't worked out like I should have. And uh, was feeling it toward the end of the climb. But praise the Lord, we made it. And really, we were on the right path. And that made all the difference. So here in uh, Jude, uh, uh, chapter 1 here, just, just the one chapter here. So Jude, really, so verse 11, it says this. So we'll just read that first part. Woe unto them. Now, this isn't the kind of woe when your horse is going too fast. This is a very different woe. <laughs> woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have gone in the way of Cain. So God pronounces his divine woe on those that have gone in the way of Cain. So just like climbing that mountain, there would have been the wrong path that would have caused me to end up in the wrong place. It seemed right for a moment as I'm trudging along and I just kept going, but really I was supposed to switch back. But it seemed right for a little bit and I'm so glad somebody said, hey, that's, 
that's not the right path. And what? What? It seemed right, but it would have been very, very wrong. It would have taken me some completely different place. So there's this way of Cain. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. The Bible talks about different ways in this life. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, a lot of people know Psalm chapter 1 at the very beginning of, that, of the lovely book of Psalms. But in Psalm chapter 1 verse 6 it says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly will seem right for a little while. It feels like this is the way I should go and I'm just going to put my head down and keep trudging along. But it's not the right way. The way of the ungodly shall perish. There's the right way in this life, the way of the righteous, but there's the wrong way, the way of the ungodly. And the question is, which one are you on today? So we see here in, this, in, in verse 11 here, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So here uh, I'm going to give Dr. Schreiber a plug for his book. Our very own Dr. Schreiber, you know, Pastor Olson writes these wonderful books. I hope you, um, I hope you buy every one of the books that he has. It's good to have a good library of trust, trustworthy people, and he's one of them. Dr. Schreiber is another one. He has a book, he has a commentary on Jude, uh, Contending uh, for the Faith. This one is uh, up there in our bookstore. It's a, it's a, it's a very good book, but uh, it, uh, I will read from him a couple times, but here in this area of woe, what is going on here? So he says on pages 56 and 57, woe be unto them is his cry. The poignant, direct, focused style of the Hebrew tongue is brought out here. The prophet Isaiah uses this word more than 20 times. Jeremiah uses the word 13 times. And Ezekiel, nine times. Seven of the minor prophets also use this word, woe, the divine woe. Clearly, Jude is uh, using a very similar Hebrew expression. When the Old Testament prophets wanted to point out that a group of people was under the chastisement of God, this word was used. It left very little wonder as to what the Lord was getting across to his people. Here is a woe. You're on the wrong path and you're going to end up in the wrong place under divine punishment. Don't stay on the wrong path. Don't listen to the people that would urge you. Here Jude is warning that there are false teachers that will, that will push you toward the wrong path. Woe be to those teachers and woe be to those ones that heed the wrong teachers instead of the word of God talking about the right path you should be on. Oh, humanity is arrogant. The foolish person might say, I don't really care if God pronounces his divine woe on my path or not. I like where I'm at and I'm going to stay here. Oh, Lord, have mercy on those foolish people I help them to come to their senses before it's too late. The wise person says, wait a second, what, what, what is this? This way of Cain? Woe be to the one that, that is on this wrong path. How can I, what is this way of Cain? How can I avoid it? I don't want to live under the divine woe of God. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way 
that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That path I was on, out there in the Teton Mountains, it was, I was on the wrong path, and it seemed right. And I'm so glad that somebody cried out, that's not the right path. I was able to turn around and get back on the right path. So uh, if the way of Cain is no good, what path should I be on? Well, it's the, it's the way of righteousness that we saw just a little bit ago. It's the path of life that the Bible talks about in Psalm 1611. That will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It's the path that Jesus talks about when he says the, the path is not just a thing to be on, it's a person. Uh, the Lord Jesus says this of himself in John 14, 6. Jesus saith in him, I am the way. I am that path of life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is that path of life. So, really there's the way of Cain, and then there's the way of Christ. Which one are you on this morning? The Bible actually says, you're like, well, I, I, I feel good about where I'm at, so I, I probably I'm heading the right direction. We just talked about that. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Don't go by how you feel. Go by what God says. Go by what God says. Because the Bible actually says the vast majority of people are on the wrong path. We'll read that today as well. Don't be one of them. Heed the warning this morning. So the way of Cain, the way of Cain, I'm going to use his name as an acrostic today, C-A-I-N. And we'll look at four things about the way of Cain. Then next week, we'll look at the way of Christ, the way of Christ. Uh, so we, want to be, we don't want to be on the way of Cain. God's divine woe is upon the person that doesn't depart from the way of Cain. So uh, C, Cain, uh, first of all, he was, he was carnal, he lived after the things of the flesh. What pleased him was all that mattered. Uh, could that be some of us? As we look at the world around us, that's the vast majority of humanity around us. What pleases me is all that matters. He was antagonistic. Secondly, the A, he lived actively against the things of God. It wasn't enough just to live like God didn't matter, but he actually went above and beyond that life, to try to stomp out the things of God in his life, uh, where he actually, he tried to live um, as though his life was better because he was going his path instead of God's. The I, he was impudent, impudent, showing scorn, showing disregard for God and those that followed him. He was impudent, and then really the last thing, he was narcissistic. There was a devilish pride, a devilish pride. He was characterized by an excessive self-love and vanity. His was a life of selfishness, a life of devilish pride. So let's look at those things today. The way of Cain versus the way of Christ. Let's pray. 
Lord, I do pray that you'd be with this time we have together. Thank you for your precious word. Lord, again, we're reminded that most of humanity is on this dangerous path, this way of Cain under the divine woe. And it's, it's not that they will be under your divine woe someday, Lord. The Bible says that uh, those that have not uh, uh, left the way of Cain for the way of Christ are, are under your judgment. They're condemned already, the Bible teaches. Help us, Lord, as we look at this way of Cain to identify it and then get off of it, Lord, and be on that way of Christ. Help us to identify those things, that, that those behaviors that, uh, are, are, uh, that would cause us to know what is that way of Cain, Lord, and help us to depart from those things. Help us today as we look in your precious word and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the way of Cain. Let's, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. And we'll look at some things about this way of Cain. Genesis 4, verses 1 through 7. Genesis 4, verses 1 through 7. So uh, up until Genesis 4, there's only two people on the earth. Adam and Eve. That's all there is. Can you imagine the world with only two people? A man and a woman. And God had, 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 had formed the first family. And... Uh, um, and so God blessed that marriage with a son. The first human being to be born was this, this one Cain. And he was a rebel. Uh, we see here in uh, verses 1 through 7, Genesis 4, 1 through 7, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The first child ever to be born. And she again bare his brother Abel. So we have the second child. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. So Abel, he, he looked after flocks. Can you see Abel running around with the sheep, uh, keeping them from harm and, and leading them? So all the way back then, all the way back then, we have the, the picture of a of a shepherd looking after sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Cain was more of a farmer. He would cultivate the earth and put seeds in there and, and care for plants. He worked the land. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So at first it would seem like that's a beautiful thing. He works hard. He's got some fruit from his plants, his fruits and vegetables, and he brings some of that and gives it to God. At first, it seems a beautiful thing, but we find out from Scripture that God said, I want to be approached a certain way. There needs to be a blood sacrifice. Innocent blood must be spilt because you're sinners, and sin requires a blood sacrifice. And it was a picture. Sacrifice, worship, was supposed to picture the great sacrifice that would come one day in the person of the Lord Jesus. So as beautiful as Cain's worship seemed to be, it was disobedient. There was no innocent blood that was spilt. It was disobedience. At first, to us, it seems it's a beautiful thing. But it was disobedience. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock 
of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. God had made it clear how he was to be approached. Man thinks, well, come on. God is so desperate, he'll, he'll take any worship he can get. And that's an awful way of approaching life, isn't it? God isn't desperate for our worship. He allows us to come to him. He isn't desperate for us to come to him. He allows us by his grace and mercy for us to come to him. But we must approach the way he laid out by means of the shed blood. Here an innocent lamb was to be spilt to show that first substitutionary death. Uh, just like Adam and Eve, they saw when they tried to cover their own guilt and shame. And God said, it doesn't work that way. Blood must be spilt. And, 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 and an innocent animal was, was killed as God took the, the coat of that innocent animal and clothed Adam and Eve in, in a coat. Guilt could only be covered. Shame could only be covered. Sin could only be covered by that, that robe of righteousness that came as a result of blood being spilt. And really, all of us, uh, you can see Adam and Eve, and, and they, were, they were clothed in their, in their uh, apron of, of figs. And God says, that doesn't work. And God holds up the coat and says, blood was spilt to provide this coat. Will you put it on or not? And most of humanity goes, eh, I'm good. Most of humanity says, eh, I'm good. I'm covered in these plants. I feel better, especially since I'm the one that thought of it. I prefer religion where I thought of it. I prefer religion where I put effort into it. Look at these plants. We're covered in these, these, these figs. And God says, that doesn't work. Only this works. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Only this works. And he holds up the coat. And that's a picture of all of humanity. God has the coat ready. Christ died. The robe of righteousness is ready for all mankind. But the majority of humanity will say, eh, I'm good. But there are some that will say, oh, my need is more than I can handle and I'm hopelessly lost without your provision. There's nothing I can do. And I'm hopelessly lost without your provision. Thank you, Almighty God, for providing a covering for my sin. Yes, please, let me slip on that robe of righteousness, the one that Jesus provides because of his shed blood. Well, Cain... The Bible says in verse 5, unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. He was angry. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Listen, if, if, why are you angry? I lovingly, I, I'm telling you that's unacceptable. So do what's acceptable. It's, it's very easy. Your way is wrong. My way is the only way. Why are you angry? Your way is wrong. My way is the only way. Why are you angry? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? All oh, that word accepted is so beautiful, isn't it? Ephesians 1, 6 talks about he hath made us accepted in the beloved. 
He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Without Christ, we're unacceptable. And a, a lot of humanity says, I feel acceptable. And I feel like God should, God should decide that I feel acceptable. God should go by how I feel. You're not acceptable until you're clothed in that robe of righteousness. Until the provision of that innocent blood being spilt. That's the only covering. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. So there's Cain. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? It isn't too late for you to repent of your wrong path and do what is right. If thou doest well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be um, his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. The, sa the sacrifice is right there. You can do the right thing. So the way of Cain, the way of Cain. First, he was carnal, carnal, living after the things of the flesh. What pleased him was all that mattered. I like this idea better. We see in Cain the father of creative approaches to God. Um, God wants this, but I like this better, and so I'll worship this way. And again, you've all heard, if you've done any soul winning, if you ever knocked on a door, you'll hear someone say, uh, you know, we all have our own way of going toward God. And he's good with all of them. No, he isn't. The very first human to be born, the very first human to be born, found out that God didn't give us creativity to be used against God, but to be used for him. And when he says, I'm pretty creative, I'm going to come up with other ways to approach God. And God says, that's unacceptable. He was very clear. And Cain says, it doesn't matter. I like it. How many people are in churches today that say, um, I prefer that worship. I like it. And that's the bottom line. That's all that matters. Oh, to get past the idea of pursuing what I like and learn to live for what God likes. What pleases God? Most of humanity couldn't care less about what pleases God. We're drunken on what pleases me. Such is the broad way that leads to destruction. The broad way, the way of Cain. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, and he talks about the two ways. Listen to this. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 15. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way, the way of Cain, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There's lots of people on the wrong path, but because Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. And then, just like Jude warning about false teachers, uh, Jesus here in verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. I like this kind of worship. God did build into us the desire to worship. God made us, and he built us to want to worship. But we can worship simply to satisfy our craving to worship. 
and forget all about the one who designed us that way. We can worship completely selfishly. While some will turn their need to worshiping into worshiping their creator, so many will simply worship for the sake of worshiping in order to just to satisfy their own need to worship. And they will find other objects to worship that correspond to what matters to them. Romans 1, verses 24 and 25 says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Again, that's Pastor Olson teaching on the lusts. The lusts. And so they, had, they, they were lustful. They were lustful. But in, in two, two lines later, they're worshiping. How is it that lustful people would worship? Because God built into us the craving to worship. And in our lusts, we can worship to satisfy our need to worship, but forget God entirely. Through uncleanness to the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature or the creation more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The way of Cain is a way of carnality. I like it. And that's all that matters. See, secondly, the way of Cain was a way of antagonism. A way of antagonism. He was antagonistic, actively living his life against the things of God. It wasn't enough to live like God didn't matter. He lived like it was his life's goal to prove that his way was better than God's and to stomp out God's way. I'll show him that my way is better. And that really is the essence of worldliness. When God says, love not the world, or there in James 4 where it says, if you're fr- uh, whosoever therefore would be the friend of the world is the, is the enemy of God, that worldliness says, I can be happy and God will have nothing to do with it. Can you see why God can't stand that thinking? Because there is no happiness. That's a way that will feel right. That's a way that will seem right. And the end of that way is death. God loves us. It's not that, hey, my way is better. Why do you? No, no, he loves us. And he wants us on that good path where he can bless us. He doesn't want to see people staying on that way of Cain and dropping one by one into the fires of hell. Cain was antagonistic. God gave Adam and Eve paradise, but man lost paradise due to his sin. And God has a way to restore man to what he lost, but worldliness. The way of Cain says, I'll create my own paradise down here, and it will be better than anything you ever had to offer. It'll be better than that garden that Adam and Eve were in. Oh, you'll see my paradise will be better Satisfaction because of the Savior versus satisfaction apart from the Savior. That is the essence of worldliness, and it goes back to Cain. I don't need your stinking, lousy paradise. I'll make one of my own. And we see in this world around us the world's feeble attempt to be happy apart from Christ and what he has to offer 
Um, so we see the world that flowed from this thinking. Um, Genesis 6, verses 1, 5, and 11 describes the world that came, uh, that flowed from Cain's thinking. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, verse 5, God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Violence, the way of Cain. The end they're over the ways of death, but on the way there, there's violence. Boy, God lovingly came to Cain and told him, listen, your sacrifice is unacceptable, but you can fix it if you'll just approach me the way I demand to be approached. I provide everything you need. The sheep, I made the sheep. I provided, it's right there, everything you need I have provided. Just make use of what I have provided. There was a sacrifice available. His countenance was fallen. He's like, <laughs> he's just upset and angry. Listen, your countenance has fallen. You don't have to go through life with a fallen countenance. You can have that joy again that only comes from following me. Your countenance can be lifted again, but you must make a sacrifice by faith. Cain demonstrated that he had no intention to fix his wrong way. And I'll live my life showing you and everyone else that my way was actually best. For Cain, it wasn't just an alternate approach to God, this was a competition. I'll show you that my way is best. God commanded a bloody sacrifice, and Cain, for whatever reason, decided not to bring a bloody sacrifice. Did he decide that his worship was prettier? There's a lot of people that will point at true Christianity and say, ah, that's a, that's a nasty, bloody religion. That's a bloody religion. We, we have a more pretty religion. Was, that, was this the first, uh, the first uh, showings of, of these false religions? Can you picture his display on top of his altar? Uh, I grew up in Utah, and I remember passing out tracts with, the, with the, one of the older men in our church. And I remember him, t of course, there's a, a pretty uh, powerful false religion out there in Utah. And uh, I remember him telling me that in, in one of the temples of that false religion, uh, you, you would go in and there was this gigantic picture of Cain and his altar covered with fruits and vegetables. It was like, <laughs> I never saw it, but he was telling me about it. And he's up there like, and, and it was like they had no clue what the Bible teaches. They, they, Look, isn't that pretty? Isn't that worship pretty? They have this gigantic picture of worship. Yeah, pff, isn't that beautiful? It's like having no idea that while they thought that was beautiful, God said that's unacceptable and you've disobeyed me. And he says, the way of Cain, my woe is upon the way of Cain. I think eventually enough people will say, do you not know the Bible at all? No. 
Is that a problem? We just do things that seem beautiful to us. Oh, really? You're on a path that seems right to you. Eventually, they, they took it down. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, that's just blatant. We don't want to be overly blatant that we have no idea what the Bible actually teaches. Did he dislike the gore? Did he take the moral high ground? He's like, oh, I, just, I just couldn't possibly kill that poor little animal. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm above such things. Did he dislike the gore? Of course, he wasn't above the gore in a little bit when he kills his brother, huh? A little, a little hypocritical there, isn't it? These false religions. Uncomfortable, possibly, with the picture of innocent blood being spilt. The reason why innocent blood had to be spilt was because of the grotesqueness of our sin. Boy, to, to, to kill that little sheep, that little lamb. Oh, oh, why? Well, because the grotesqueness of our sin. The bottom line was faith. Faith equals obedience, whether you like it or not. Does the Bible say that Abel liked killing the, the, the firstlings of his flock? No, but he did it because that's what God wanted. He did it because that, and that's what faith is. Faith is not me doing what I like and hoping for the best. That is not faith. Faith is finding out what God wants and doing it regardless of how I feel. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. And the Bible says that Cain never says anything about faith there. It says here in Hebrews 11:4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Abel offered. Thirdly, C-A-I-N, Oh, he was a carnal, antagonistic eye. He was just flat out impudent. Impudent. Showing disregard and scorn for God. Insolent. Disrespectful to God and to all those that followed him. Again, God came to him in patience and long-suffering and said, Cain, listen. That's unacceptable. But it's not too late for you. You can make this right. Sometimes when God comes to us in love and patience, we view it as weakness. How arrogant are we? Boy, uh, the, one of the hymns we sang today about wooing, wooing us to heaven. Wooing us to heaven. He, he comes and says, won't you consider that right path? The path you're on is no good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And then God comes to you again. Won't you consider that right path? The path you're on is no good. Yeah, yeah but, but I like And Won't you consider that right? All oh, the impudence of humanity. When we continue to turn our back on what God lays out in his patience and love. Genesis 4, 6 through 8. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? You don't have to live life all angry. This world is full of anger, isn't it? There's a lot of anger out there. And they don't have to live that way. The first human to be born was consumed by anger. And God came to him and said, you don't have to live this way. 
Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The very first murder in the Bible. Boy, uh, maybe he disliked the goriness of God's religion, but he didn't seem to mind the goriness of his. In anger at being rejected, his way being rejected by God, he rose up and killed his brother. Complete disrespect for God. You want blood? Do you? God up and you want blood? I'll give you blood. Oh, the insolence. Oh, the impudence of the way of Cain. And by, by the way, we're sinners. And we're born into that way. And we have to choose to step off of that way. And to join that way that Jesus spoke about in John 14 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me, Cain says, you want blood? I'll give you blood. How's this? And he kills his brother. The New Testament makes it clear that God was clear with, with Cain and Abel what he wanted. The New Testament places emphasis on the reason, the reasons why Cain's offering was rejected. The Old Testament places emphasis on Cain's reaction to his offering being rejected. Again, in Dr. Schreiber's book, he, he said this. I, he said, Cain's hatred was born out of envy for his brother as his brother's sacrifice was accepted. However, the real hatred was not for Abel. It was for the, the God up in heaven. It wasn't Abel that decreed that the blood sacrifice was necessary. It was God. Had the Lord placed not requirements on the type of sacrifice he required, there would be no problem. It was not Abel that required a blood sacrifice. Cain couldn't kill God. But the next best thing was to kill the one that was worshiping appropriately. The Lord God's intention was to use the blood sacrifice as a symbol of the sacrifice of his son through the history of man. This is called the sacrificial system. Adam and Eve understood this as they witnessed the very first substitutionary death of animals whose coats were used for their covering. And then the height of his impudence. God comes to Cain and says, Hey, where is your brother? Genesis 4, 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? I know not. Part of the way of Cain is that you live a life that is a bold-faced lie in the face of the omnipotent one. He lied to the omniscient one who knew all. When confronted with his sin, he was deceitful and demonstrated zero remorse. I don't know what you're talking about. 
And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know, it's almost like, uh, oh, my, my brother, he kept sheep and, and tried not to misplace any. I, I, I'm not the keeper of people. It, it seems that that's you, isn't it? What, have you, have you misplaced one of yours? Oh, the insolence. And then lastly, the devilish pride. He was narcissistic. Self-love and vanity, selfishness. God says in Genesis 4, 10, that says, and he says, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now art thou cursed. Before God cursed the ground, and now you art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall henceforth not yield unto, unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day. You are pushing me away. You're a bad God. Thou hast driven me out this day. Isn't that the arrogance of this world around us? God provided everything he needed to be right. God came to him in patience and love and says, you did it the wrong way, but I'll give you another chance. And then in his, in his pride, in his impudence, in his insolence, he says, I'm not interested in what you have to offer. And God says, I'm going to punish you. And he says, you're a bad God. You've driven me away from yourself. Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be as a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. It's all about me. Not a word about his brother that would never draw breath again. It was all about self. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord placed a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Even in that arrogance, God placed a mark of protection on him. Isn't our God amazing? By the way, when God is displeased with something, correct what he's displeased with. Don't get, don't, don't get mad at God for, being, for not being cooperative enough with what pleases you. If God comes along and says, that's not pleasing to me. Thank you for letting me know. I'm going to fix it. God truly is long-suffering, but in our arrogance, we presume upon his mercy. No, he is God. It's for us to bend to him, not for him to bend to us. What more does he need to do? He already sent his only begotten son to die in our place and to taste our sin upon him. The Bible teaches that Cain was satanically influenced. 1 John 3.12 says this, Not as Cain who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. He was of that wicked one. 
And what do we know about that wicked one? Well, that wicked one wishes to be worshipped in the place of God. We remember that from Matthew 4, when uh, Matthew 4, 8 through 10. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee. Again, this is the devil to Jesus. All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. What is the way of Cain? It's when, God, when worship is directed anywhere other than where it should be. God. Satan is behind that. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Oh, the sin of pride. I am more important than God himself. Mankind wrestles with this. And it goes back to that one, that first sinner of pride. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the devil, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the, the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And by the way, until we get on that right path, the Bible says he's our father. The devil, we're satanically influenced when we live on that, the way of Cain. And God in his mercy, he gives us everything we need to step off of that way and get on that right way, the way of Christ. John 8, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Does it make sense why Cain murdered his brother? satanically influenced and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him when he speaketh the lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it i know not what has become of my brother all oh, the influence of the devil on the way of cain this is the essence and the universal hallmark of all apostate religion spiritual distortion its attack is always focused on the salvation of god it denies god's revealed word on the subject of salvation and expresses its revulsion at the truth that without shedding of blood there is no remission false religion always emphasizes human reasoning and man's own good works good works as a means of salvation is the unifying factor of all false religion well God sent a great flood and the entire line of Cain was wiped out. The line of Cain is no more, but the way of Cain is still very much alive in the rebellious heart of mankind. It's the wrong path and we need to get on the right path. The way of Christ. We'll talk more about the way of Christ next week. But if the Holy Spirit pricked your heart today about getting off that wrong path, the way of Cain, we'd love to help you. Here in just a few moments, I'm going to have every head bowed and every eye closed, and I'm going to invite you to say, I'm on that wrong path. I'm on that wrong path, and I want to get off. The Holy Spirit made it clear to me that I need to get off that wrong path during the time we're going to have just a moment. If you'd come, 
We'll have a couple men down here, and you can ask, please, will you have someone show me how to get on that right path? Everything you need to be on that right path has been provided. Oh, turn your back from, to the way of Cain. Step away from pride and insolence and surrender to your need and to the one that provided everything you need. Slip into that robe of righteousness that he provided when the innocent blood of the Lord Jesus was spilt for us. There I was. I missed the switchback. I was supposed to turn and go that way. And I kept going. And somebody cried out, hey, that's not where you want to be. The path is over here. Most of humanity is on that wrong path. And today someone's crying out. The Holy Spirit is crying out, hey, won't you get on the right path? Maybe that's what you need today. Lord God, we pray that you'd be with this sermon. We thank you for your goodness to us. I do pray that you'd work in hearts today, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that's on that wrong path, Lord, I pray they might get that right. And Lord, uh, there may be saved people here today. And they would say, oh, woe is me. I've been longing for some of those things. I, I still have that old nature. There's still a part of me that identifies with that old path. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. My life has been aimed at those old things. My heart has been aimed at longing, get, getting, longing for the, the worldliness, longing to be back in Egypt from whence you delivered me. Oh, Lord, away with that way of Cain. Help us to live in that way of righteousness that the Bible talks about in Psalm chapter 1. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Help us today to be living like you are important, approaching you, not the way I prefer, but the way you demand to be approached. Help us understand the, the importance of holiness and purity in coming to you. We ask all these things in Christ's precious name, amen.